Hello and welcome to worship this morning to all of you that are here with us at our 930 Cornerstone Worship, to those watching online and to those uh, in the Well in the Well Cafe. I'm so glad that we're all here in this space today. We're continuing on in our Lenten series, The Witness of Mark, and today we will be in Mark 6, 7 through 13, and you can find that on page 1565 of the Blue Bibles in front of you. Now, as I prepared uh, for this message, I wrote several drafts. I crumpled up several pieces of paper. I deleted several words from my computer uh, in attempt to figure out the word that God was calling me to share uh, with each and every one of you this weekend. I found myself desiring words that would simply bring happiness to all the hearts that are here. There is so much darkness and heaviness and busyness and scariness and craziness in our world today. And I wanted to bring happiness. And so as I prayed for God to make me some superhero of radical happiness, I ended up realizing that that in fact is not the point. That happiness is not the goal, but in fact the goal is holiness. Going out into the world, being disciples, holy disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world. But in that, I want to acknowledge that today if you are feeling too overwhelmed, or too tired, or too stressed, or too busy, or too wanting to make this world a better place but have no clue where to start, this message is for you for each and every one of us here. So I invite you to hear the words from Mark 6, 7 through 13. It reads, Then Jesus went out around, teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions, take nothing with you, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so they went out and they preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed the sick people with oil and healed them. This part of scripture right here in Mark 6 for today is what I want to call the product or the goal. This is what we want to get to. We have Jesus who has called his disciples and he has sent them to share the good news in the world. And they do that, they go, they share solely relying on the Lord. They heal people and they share the good news. This is where we want to be as disciples. They are literally disciples of Jesus Christ, loving God, loving others and serving the world. This is where we want to be, but to get to this product, we have to understand the elements that go into making up this chapter. If we were to flip back a couple pages to Mark 1, we would see Jesus calling his first disciples, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. These men, fishing with their father, Jesus saw them and said, come and follow me. 
We heard Pastor David speak on this scripture a few weeks back. And he spoke about how there are things in this world that you have to leave behind to follow Jesus. And they did. And they followed Jesus. And then we fast forward here to chapter 6. And these men are healing and teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. But this right here, this gap that we have just acknowledged between chapter 1 and chapter 6, I believe is where we tend to sometimes miss the mark. There is something that we miss of how this product is made up from chapter 1 to here. So I want you to hear this. One day, Jesus, casually walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and as I thought about this, and as I thought about how Jesus would casually walk along the shore, I also thought that some of us in this room have casually walked along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is probably the coolest thing ever, that 80 members of our congregation just got back from casually walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. That was a little side note. But Jesus is casually walking along like some of you have, uh, and he sees these men fishing. He sees these fishermen doing what they do every day or most days. He sees these fishermen doing this daily mundane task that they do probably enjoy, but they also do this for survival. This is how they provide for their family. This is what they do. Jesus sees these fishermen and he says, come and follow me. And they follow. They follow and they are commissioned and they are sent out to heal and to teach and to preach in the name of our Lord and Savior. And here is what we tend to miss. That these men are in fact not superheroes. And if we're honest, they're probably not even known by many people in their town. They're just normal men, normal individuals doing what they do. And this is when they were called. These men were normal people who had faith and were willing to say yes. I believe that there are times in this world where we miss right where we are. Because we are caught up in this idea that God will call us to one day walk on water or to part the seas. But in fact, this scripture, chapter 6, proves to us that Jesus says, no, you you normal person right where you are, come and follow me because I have big things in store for you. Come, have faith, share my good news. This is what it means to be a disciple. Now I want to put a little pin uh, in what we're getting at here in chapter 6 and tell you a little analogy that I have come to realize uh, in relating this chapter 6 with my life and where I'm called to go right now, but to do that, uh, I need to begin with a confession. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and I was uh, hosting our 11 o'clock traditional service, and at the end of the service, I got up and uh, freely admitted that I did not know that it was Super Bowl Sunday, nor did I know who was playing in the Super Bowl that Sunday. Now, I feel that it's necessary for me to come to you today and to confess this to all of our services this weekend, uh, that I have had poor initiative to be a true American and admit that my football efforts have been uh, slacking. And so following this 11 o'clock service, after I said, who knew? Y'all have a great time watching the Super Bowl. This couple came up to me and they were like, oh, honey, 
you can't say that stuff out loud here in Texas. <laughs> they were like, Lauren, you got to fake it till you make it or become a true fan. And this advice, this advice struck me, and this is when I knew that an intervention was, was deeply required. Uh, but the only thing, this fake it till you make it concept has never really worked for me. Uh, you see, I am a terrible liar. You can hear it in my voice. I'm overcome with guilt. Uh, but more importantly, um, I've inherited this physical trait from my parents where when I lie, my dimples pop out. <laughs> and so they'd be like, did you clean your room? Yeah. And they were just like, huh? And they'd be like, go. Did you, did you uh, do good at school today? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it's horrible. I never got away with anything. So I knew that if this football intervention was to be real, I had to commit. I knew that if I was ready to change my life, I had to spend hard work, sweat, energy, tears, future Sunday afternoons. I knew this was a commitment. But then today uh, at 8.15 also, as I was telling you about this, Pastor Jim gets up and says, Lauren, it's not football season anymore, it's March Madness. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, how many sports are there that I have to learn? Because I also know nothing about basketball, so I'm just going to put that out there right now. That will come next. But over the past couple of weeks, I have been working really hard uh, on taking this football thing seriously. So I started doing some research and some things that I found, uh, football, uh, if you Google it right away, soccer is probably the first thing that actually pops up because it's part of this family of sports that include a ball and some form of kicking. So there's football, there's soccer, there's rugby, all these things. Uh, f a football game usually lasts about three hours. Uh, the ball is typically in play for only 11 minutes. And 56% of the game is devoted to replays, cheerleaders, and commercials. So when I learned, I was like, I could probably get on board with this a little bit more. But really what I needed to know were the rules. So the team with the ball is the offense. Uh, they have four plays, which are referred to as downs, uh, to advance at least 10 yards, and they can score a point once they get to the opposite end of the field, which holds the goal. So I've done all of this, and then one day I was having a casual conversation, and someone starts talking about the rules of football. And I was like, I get it, I'm trying. And so this man that I was talking with starts telling me about the quarterback. And now please hear this with the lens of someone who is very new um, in my career of becoming a football fanatic. So with where I am right now, I feel like the quarterback might be the most uh, important player in the game. Now, for the record, if you've ever played football and you played any other position, yours was so much more important. Uh, but so I feel like the quarterback, they, they decide when the play begins. Uh, they see all these bodies moving quickly in front of them. They have a plan established, but sometimes the other team beats them to the punch. So they have to quickly come up with a new plan and then execute success for their team. So this is when I learned the term, the slow play. As someone grows in their skill of becoming a quarterback, they grow in their ability to see everything in front of them moving in slow motion. 
They're able to kind of step back to see where a play would get blocked, where a play uh, would be successful, and then they make the play all within a matter of seconds. And this ability does not come overnight. It comes with these quarterbacks growing in their careers. This ability takes intense training and time and practice. Not only physical practice, but mental practice of getting the mind ready to do this. Now, even if you're not a football person, if you're my kind of people here, work with me on this. That our faith is often like an NFL football game. And we are the quarterbacks. We have all these things in our life, moving 90 miles an hour in front of us, whether that is family or friends or work or school or kids or transporting kids to all the things or difficult people or difficult situations or the brokenness in the world that we want to fix but don't know what to do. As I said, if you are feeling tired or exhausted or you're seeing the world how it's working and you want it to be better, this message is for you. You are not alone. And I do think that it is safe to say that each and every one of us in this room wants our world to be better today than it was yesterday. We just often don't know what to do. Sometimes we start things and we feel like they're blocked and it doesn't work. Sometimes we see a change that needs to happen and we think, I don't have the capability of making that change happen. We say things like, that's someone else's job or I'm not good enough to do that or... I don't think God has really called me there yet. I'm still trying to hear where I'm being called. I don't think I could make a difference. Or I'm already carrying so many burdens. I cannot pick up another one. This here is where God calls us to the slow play of our lives. To calm our anxiety and our fears. And to see the world through the lens of Jesus. To serve as Jesus would. This is where we are called to go, where we see a need, but to acknowledge and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The truth is that God does not call us as individuals to carry the world on our back. God says, my burden is light. Today, if you are feeling burdened, maybe that is because you are not actually meant to be carrying that burden. If your burden is too heavy, maybe it is because you are not meant to be carrying that burden. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Give up your burdens and take up my yoke. Learn from me, God says, for I am gentle and humble of heart and in me you will find rest. We have learned from Jesus in Mark 6 that Jesus calls us from right where we are to go out into the world that is right in front of us and do what we can do with all that we have. To take our brothers and our sisters and to go and to do. And if the burden gets too heavy for us, we are called to come back and give it to Jesus and to find rest in him. In chapter 6, we hear the disciples being sent out two by two because there is power and strength in community. Jesus instructs them, take nothing with you to solely rely on the Lord. 
And when we simply rely on the Lord together, when we go and do with what we have, with where we are right now, this is when the body of the church comes alive. The church comes alive when we stop living how we think we are called to live, when we stop carrying burdens that we are not meant to be carrying. But when we take up the burden of Jesus, going out into the world to share Jesus' story, this is when the church comes alive. My, my favorite thing about our sanctuary is our stained glass windows on these sides here. And I don't know if you've ever been up close to them, or any stained glass really, but when you get up close to stained glass, especially ours, it's like carved, and it's rough, and it's messy. And if you just look at one little piece, it looks like it's cracked and flawed. But then you step back, and you see the images of the cross, and the lamb, and the tomb. You step back, and you see the beauty of the art come together. When we have the ability to slow play our lives, when we are able to take a step back from our brokenness and from our mess, we are able to go out into the world together to serve where God is calling us to serve and to see where we might not be called to go. Jesus calls us right where we are. And as John Wesley puts it, We are called to do all the good that we can by all the means that we can, in all the ways that we can, in all the places that we can, at all the times that we can, to all the people that we can for as long as we can. Here's the thing though. In in chapter 6, Jesus sent these disciples out. And he sent them out looking. He sent them out looking for people to help and looking for places to serve, looking for places to teach and to heal and to preach. He didn't send them out and say, go to this address and help them, and then move on to this address and help them. He sent them out looking. And I think the truth is that oftentimes we are not looking. Whether that is because we have chosen to not look or whether that is because our vision is too blurred by the chaos and the burdens that we have decided to put on ourselves. So today, I want to invite you to open your eyes, to see the actual world that is in front of you. Whether that means making a list of what you usually do, whether that means taking a moment to pause and to simply be present where you are. I want to invite you to open your eyes. And if there's something you can do, then do it. I want to end by telling you a story about a man that I deeply look up to. I actually told him this on the way in. I was like, hey, you're my preaching point today. So he's a little nervous right now. Uh, But his name is Darren Charles. And some of you may know him um, as Doc. He might be your Dr. Darren, Dr. Charles. I know him as Darren. And he's one of our volunteers here for our high school students. And a few years ago, he saw this need Uh, He saw that we have this this great program for our students. Uh, We grow them up and then we send them on out. But when we send our seniors off to college or off to the next step in their life, wherever they're going, we often don't talk about the elephants in the room that they may encounter in college, that they need to be prepared for in college. So he saw that when students also would come home, they would see Unfortunately, the world does in fact keep turning when their presence is no longer here. 
He would see that they would come home and they would be like, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? He saw that there was a need for something and so he created a space for it. Last week, he and some of our volunteers took some of your children to a laundromat and taught them how to do their laundry for the very first time. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, he spoke with our high school seniors on a medical perspective of anxiety and depression and what to do when you're feeling these things. And then before that, he taught them how to cook. Sometimes it's spaghetti, sometimes it's other things. And then they gave nutrition facts to these kids so they could avoid that dreaded freshman 15 from pizza. Darren is a man who walks in this world with his eyes open and he taught your children how to do their laundry. And when these students return home from college, Darren is not there with his only eyes open, but he's there with his arms open as well. He shows his love and grace in many ways, but specifically to these students, it was through soap and spaghetti. And by walking through the world with his eyes open, seeing a need and stepping forward to meet that need. Soap and spaghetti. Some of our callings in this world will be soap and spaghetti callings. Sometimes they will be brain surgery. And sometimes it may be both. But regardless of how we are called to walk in this world, regardless of where we are called to walk, we are called to be people who have our eyes open, who are not blinded by the chaos or the fear. We are called to be people that have our eyes open. We are called to be people that respond when we see a need, to take those steps and to follow Christ. Will you please pray with me? Gracious God, we come to you today as your people. Coming here to, to praise you for all that you are, all that you are doing, and all that you have done, God. We thank you that you have called us to be your faithful disciples. And although we are living in a world that is hurting and broken, we come here refusing to allow that to be an excuse to live in fear, God. We come here learning how to say yes, God. Thanking you for the calling that you have placed on our lives and coming here to say, God, give us the courage to respond. Give us the opportunities to open our eyes to where we can say yes to your name. And if sometimes that means saying no, God, give us the courage to say no. We just ask that you continue to help us step back to slow down, to see where you are calling us to move, God. We thank you for calling us as your disciples, God. And we ask that you continue to give, the courage, to give us the courage to respond. Amen.